You're listening to Intentionally Catholic, a podcast about living our Catholic faith with joy and intention. Welcome to Intentionally Catholic. I'm Dan Hansen, and normally I'm joined by Father Ron Hutchinson. Right now I'm joined by Martha Bellamy because Father Ron is on vacation. Martha, you're filling in. I appreciate the help. Happy to be here. Well, people maybe recognize your voice. You've done our intro. That's right. To the podcast. And because of that intro, basically, that's why you're here. Because as we put this podcast together and we're thinking things through, I realized, you know, one of the things I need is somebody to do that voiceover in the beginning. Reached out to you. I thought that'd be great. I didn't know you at all. I don't think we'd ever even met at that point. So I came in to record that, and I was pretty sure it was going to be nerve-wracking for you. You know, you're going to be nervous, but it's easy. You know, we'll just get it accomplished and record it real quick. And so I stopped by the Basilica of St. Adelbert. You work in the offices here. And first thing out of my mouth is, you know, are you nervous? And you said, not really. I've done a couple podcasts before. And then you launched into, I think we had quite a conversation, and I realized very quickly you had no reason to be nervous. You were, what, a professional ballet dancer. Yeah. You've been on multiple podcasts. I should have started with that, or at least you've been on a podcast Mm -hmm. before. Professional ballet dancer, it just goes on from there. I'm not going to spill too much more of it. As you were talking and as your story unfolded in the midst of that conversation, I realized I really need to talk to you for the podcast and just get your story. So I guess let's start with it. Uh, Does it start with the ballet? I mean, of course it starts before the ballet, but we can't go through the whole Martha story, the origin story, but we can go to the ballet. Where did that, where were you a professional dancer and how long had you been doing that? Yeah. So I, I danced professionally with the Grand Rapids Ballet Company um, here in Michigan I was hired when I was 17 years old, so I had been training there from the time I was four. Um, I started dancing in little classes when I was two, Um, so I knew that's what I I always wanted to do. Uh, So I danced with the Grand Rapids Ballet Company first, and then I went on to Richmond Ballet in Virginia, and then I did some uh, freelance work in Ohio. Freelance ballet work. I don't understand. What does that look like? So I was coming off of an injury that I had in uh, Virginia. And so I was sending my video out places, my resume out places. So kind of waiting on a job. I um, took a class with the company in Ohio and they said, hey, we have a project we'd love to hire you for. So I came on just for a three month contract. Um, So some dancers will will do their whole career that way, just going from project to project, hired for certain ballets. Um, and some dancers will will get a full year contract. Okay. So you start with that. You did that. You said you started at Grand Rapids when you were 17. Did right. I get that right? Mm-hmm. Did that for a long time? How long were you doing that? No. So I um, professionally, I danced, what was it, five years, four years Um, so I was only, I grew up at the Grand Rapids Ballet Company in the school, but I was only dancing professionally with them for two years. And I danced, um, in Virginia for one year. And then I was in Ohio for a couple years. Um, but it's when I was in Ohio, uh, where my career was ended as I knew it. Okay. And that, I think I know what that is and we're going to get to that. So you've got the ballet thing going on. And I don't know the sequence, the chronology of these things. So you just jump in. You've got the ballet thing going on. 
And you told me about that, and that was surprising. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're way cooler than I am, and that was tough to swallow <laughs> right off the bat, but I could take it. And then you talked about being in some movies. I've been in some small films and commercials, uh, mostly project, small project work. Did that come after the ballet thing? It or was, that was during? It coincided. So okay. while I was in Ohio... Um, I just happened upon some different auditions. I auditioned for a musical theater production and got into that. And then I saw a line of folks standing outside, and I always had a headshot and resume on me. So I just asked everybody what they were lining up for, and they said it was a casting call for a film. So I got in line, and I happened to talk to the casting director. I didn't know who they were. And they said, come with me. And I said, oh, I'm actually waiting to audition for this. And they said, well, I'm the casting director, so come with me. Uh, so the, it, it kind of fell in my lap, all this film and, and even the musical theater work that I did. That's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely crazy to me. And so you had all of that going on. And then you had mentioned to me a couple of other, you were slated to audition for the role of Ray. Right. In, in Star Wars, the seventh episode, they wanted an un unknown female actress. So I sent my stuff and um, was invited to do a table read of of the script. Did you get to do that? No, I I never made it. Never made it because of other things that occurred. So you've got the potentially, well, auditioning for the, you had that opportunity presented to audition for the role of Ray. There was something else. It's something about stunt work in in the Captain America films. So <laughs> yeah. this is, it's embarrassing again, hearing this all. <laughs> yeah, so. You're you're like, you know, people have, you know, that person that that's kind of their connection to fame. Mm-hmm. You're mine. Just so you know, <laughs> that's that's as close as I've ever gotten. So which Captain America? Do you remember? Oh, gosh, they were filming right there in Ohio. I'm trying to remember which there one been it would so have many been. Of yeah, there have been a lot of them. Um yeah, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. But stunt work. Stunt work, so tell, yeah. Tell so tell me the about stunting. that. I wanted to ask the first time I heard that. Now I'm going to yeah. ask. So I taught, I was teaching ballet um, in a gym of, of gymnasts. And so the stunt team for the Captain America films were utilizing this gym space. And they saw me through the glass. They saw me dancing and moving and, and doing my work. Um through a glass wall and they approached me and asked if I wanted to, to join them. So that was kind of, that was kind of fun. I, again, I didn't take, I didn't take that job. Silly me. <laughs> um, I didn't take it, but presented with that opportunity. Um, that's crazy. It was, yeah, it was it's pretty crazy fun. to me. People have seen me work, but they just asked me to kind of move out of their <laughs> line of vision really. Cause they want to see something else. So you've got all of that. And then where do we go from here? I mean, there's way more. It's very interesting. When do we get to the part that kind of derailed everything? Yeah, slowly? so it, it was... But that's but that comes after the whole religious life, potentially, right. thing. Because now you've got this potential life that you're looking at pursuing with movies. I mean, you're walking mm-hmm. around with a headshot, mm-hmm. so there's something in your mind that you're leaning in toward, you know, towards something in the arts like that. Yeah. And now I also know that there's a part of you that actually pursued religious life. You started or worked with the three other women to start a new religious order. Yeah. With the Bishop in Ohio. So, um, the Bishop in Cleveland, when did that take place? So this was in Ohio. When I moved to Ohio, 
I was kind of in a mindset of, okay, Lord, what I've been doing hasn't been working, so I'm just going to trust you. Ohio was the last place I wanted to move. I I wasn't planning on moving there. I was planning to move to Germany. Oh, um, really? I had a contract offer in Germany. To do what? To... For dance, for ballet. Um, but I had about three months before that contract would begin. So I went to Ohio, took this ballet class, and that's where I was offered the the project job for, for dancing there. So I thought I was going to be in Ohio for the three-month project and then move away to Germany. But while I was there for the project, um, I got connected with, with some lovely folks um, at the church. And I, I, was, I had been Catholic my whole life. I took my faith seriously my whole life. So that wasn't surprising. But I started getting involved with the youth group. I was volunteering, um, speaking. I think I gave a talk at a retreat two weeks into living in Ohio. Hmm. So I just, I jumped right in. Sure. Um, and I was attending mass every day. I had a holy hour every day and was praying with this incredible group of, of young adults regularly. Um, so this prayer life was really strong. So it, it, the draw toward religious life happened during that time. I guess even maybe before people would mention things to me in my young teens. Um, have you ever considered religious life? Uh, sisters would pull me aside and ask to pray with me. So the seed had been planted, but I... I what had you thought about it when they talked about it all those years back? How did you respond to that? I said, you know, no, I'm going to be a ballet dancer, but maybe when I'm old, <laughs> you know, when I, I'm ballet sure doesn't last well. forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was kind of my mindset is I'll do this now while I'm young. And then when I'm old, I can be a sister or, or not, you know, I thought I really would love to be married and be a mom. Um, so I didn't give much thought to it. I just said, that's a nice thought. Thank you. Move on. Uh, so I was feeling more and more drawn toward discerning religious life during my prayer time in Ohio. Um, and it, Holy Thursday came and I spent five hours in adoration. And when I came away from that time, somebody came up to me and said, have you ever thought about religious life? And I just broke down. I knew that I had to think about it seriously mm -hmm. at that point. And the Lord was in, inviting me into something really beautiful. Um, so I started speaking with a spiritual director and he just, he found me, uh, this priest, he said, I think I'm supposed to be your spiritual director. Really? And I said, wow. Okay. So I was just in a mode of receiving while I was in Ohio. So spoke with a spiritual director, started visiting different religious orders, mm -hmm. um, and went from there. And, and I really was saying no to starting a community to the Lord for a long time. He was kind of placing it on my heart and I didn't want anything to do with it for a long time. So what is that? I know what it means, but what does that look like? I mean, that seems like just an incredibly complicated thing to pull off starting a community. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I started, um, studying canon law briefly and because I knew I would have to present something to, to the bishop. And the, the beautiful thing was I wasn't alone. So there were some other women, um, which was beautiful how that all occurred too. And some of that is, is part of their story. Um, but being surrounded with these couple other women who 
who were experiencing the same call, um, we just started gathering together in prayer first and talking about what it would look like. And then we, we talked to canon lawyers. We talked to other sisters. Um, we talked to some monasteries, places who were newer, who had been through this process mm-hmm. um, recently. And then uh, we did end up going to the bishop and uh, we thought that we would have more of a of a pushback, but he said, "Okay, let's go. Let's get you a convent." Um, so, so it was it was a lot of prayer. It was a lot of studying. There are, um, if it's still the same now, maybe it's different. But there were seven steps in canon law to becoming a recognized religious order okay. in the Catholic Church. So you have to kind of follow these steps set out by canon law um, to reach to reach the next level. And you guys went through all of that. We didn't go through all. So at the time I left, we were at the third step. We were up what's called a public association of the faithful. Well, it's very complicated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Public association of the faithful, okay, which just that. means that there is community. We lived in a convent. Um, we could accept donations at that point when it's public. It means that the diocese has approved it as a whole. And um, the Pope was getting involved at this point. So Okay. So at that time, you're doing all of that. Are you working? Are you dancing with this, the, the other organization that you yes. were brought down to Ohio for? Yes. I'm. So at the same time, I'm still dancing. I'm doing musical theater performance, doing the film and commercial acting, um, and starting this community at the same time. So I didn't sleep very much <laughs> during no, that time. <laughs> how long did this take place? I was in Ohio for two and a half years. Okay. So you covered a lot of ground in two and a half years then. Yeah. What's your favorite commercial? That has no real bearing on anything, but I'm very curious about the commercials and I can't get it out of my head. My favorite commercial? <laughs> oh, that, that you were in. Oh. Not just what you see on TV. Oh, I don't know. Um, there was, I don't even remember what it was for, but we were, we shot it at a hibachi restaurant (laughs) and we got to experience the hibachi. Yeah. I wish I could remember what that was. Well, at least it was fun though. It was, that was a blast. All right. So you're working on all of that. You've got potentially, you're thinking about pursuing religious life. Yep. And what is that? I mean, what, what is that discerning process? I mean, cause you just got started with it. Right. Uh, scary. I, I'm sure it's scary. That's scary. kind of a dumb question. What did that feel like in the midst? Of, I mean, what utter turmoil you went down mm-hmm. for one reason. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like you said, it's like happening in front of you. It's happening to you in a way. Yeah. God's bringing the right people at the right times. And yeah. you're kind of just moving along with this flow at that point. Did mm-hmm. you feel completely overwhelmed? Uh, no. What did it feel like? It was peaceful. There was, there was a depth of peace, which is why I could continue moving forward. I look back and I think, oh my goodness, I could never do everything I did. Um, it, it overwhelms me thinking about it sometimes, but in the moments, generally speaking, it was just peace. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I didn't necessarily know which direction to walk in next, but throughout all of that, there was a depth of peace and 
And that was the Lord. That yeah. was the Lord consoling me. Um, and that was the the daily reception of the Eucharist, the daily holy hours. That that was that was the Lord. <laughs> How did your family, friends, what did they think about the mm. the plans, the thoughts? Uh, they they all tried to be supportive. Uh, my my family had a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, and, and you were raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic, so it wasn't out of the question. Some of my siblings did not like the idea at all, um, and others were fine with it. My parents kind of said, you know, what about our grandkids? But okay, that that's beautiful too. So everybody was trying to be supportive. A lot of my friends at this point were in the Catholic community um, with the with the church, the young adult community that I was involved with. So they were all very supportive. And and the people in the performance world did not understand. Okay. It made no sense. Sure. My career was kind of taking off. I was reaching a a peak of sorts and um then to say, well, I might I might give, give that it all away. All up for this. <laughs> right. It didn't make sense to them. So you got that going on. Things mm-hmm. are starting to, you feel like doors are opening up. Mm-hmm. The Pope's involved, mm-hmm. which that's generally speaking, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then what happens? So I, I was in a car accident. Um, I, w- I was stopped and somebody hit me from behind. And I had a brain injury and a spine injury. That in the moment, I didn't think would end everything. I thought, oh, I'll come back from this. Just like every other injury I endured dancing, I was always able to just go to PT, physical therapy, and come back stronger than before. So I thought, okay, I'll take some time off and I'll come back. And I, I was never the same after that accident. I ended up bedridden for nine months. And then I used a walker for a year a little over a year. And then I had a cane for two years after that. Hmm. So I didn't go back to dancing. I didn't go back to, to the film industry, musical theater. And I didn't go back to the community. To How the long ago order. was that? The accident at this point, that was, it was 10 years ago. Okay. 11 years ago. So you've put all this time and energy and God's brought you. I mean, clearly into the role you were at, you know, trying to bring about this religious order, maybe religious life. And then this happens. Like Mm -hmm. you said, even with the ballet, everything is taking off. Everything's looking good. The accident Mm -hmm. happens. You think you're going to work through it, Mm -hmm. but then you start to realize at some point, right, that this isn't improving like I need it to. Right. And you have to, you abandon your project with the religious order, right? They, They carried on. Right. Or some people yeah. did. Yeah, they carried oh. on. Um, but because my condition at this point was chronic, there in religious life, there's a vow of poverty. And it's difficult to make a vow to poverty when you have existing medical conditions. So that became a closed door to me, um, just like my career had also. 
So what happened? I mean, that's, that's the thing that's just staggering to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never reached levels of success where if somebody took it away, mm. I mean, of course, there's things in my life that I can't imagine having accomplished and then have the ground swept out from underneath me. Yeah. I've never had what you've had, especially when you add in the fact that so clearly God was leading. Right. Right. How do you not feel... I really, I guess for lack of a better word, betrayed or, Mm. you know, that God, what is, what was he thinking? How did you deal with that? What did you, I was angry. How did you work through? It was a, it was a dark time period for, for a while there. And I was certainly angry, but in my anger, I turned to the Lord. I didn't turn away from him. So I thank him for that mercy and grace to be able to do that. So I, I turned to him because everything I had known was stripped away. And I was, I was known as Martha. Oh, this is Martha. She's a ballerina. Or this is Martha. She was in that show. Or um, She did the hibachi commercial. Did, right. Or this is Martha. She's the one starting the religious order. I, my identity was so wrapped up in all of the things I was doing that at the time those things were all stripped away. I did not know myself. And I didn't see value in myself without those things. So I turned to the Lord and I said, okay, who do you say that I am? Because I'm not Martha, the ballerina anymore. I can't even stand up. I'm not Martha, the person discerning religious life. So who do you say that I am? And the Lord replied to me gently. And he said, I say that you are my daughter. I say that you are a masterpiece I say that you're loved and I say that you're enough. You're my daughter, you're a masterpiece, you're loved and you're enough. He handed me my most authentic identity that I had never leaned into, I had never explored. Perhaps I learned it along the way, but I was faced with with just my raw heart and the Lord loving me in that place. That was the most freeing experience, the most painful experience, but the most freeing experience. How long do you think it took you to get to that point from the Mm. beginning of the accident? It was many months, maybe even over a year of... So way before you had gotten to the point where you've abandoned the cane and, you know, you're you're back to walking, you're still in the midst of it at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. What did people say? You know, because like, where I guess where I'm going is you had people in the industry you were in. I'm imagining you still had some contact. You had friends Mm -hmm. or whatever. They saw you give ever everything to go pursue this, what they thought was ridiculous, Mm -hmm. because God was leading you, which Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they probably thought was ridiculous. Right. And now this happened to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's got to be a. I mean, that's a powerful opportunity for you as a witness to, to demonstrate still believing and still carrying on mm-hmm. this faith, but man, so hard. Yeah. How did that all go? Yeah. Well, I think in the, in the midst of that prayer and in the midst of me learning who, who I really am in the Lord, um, I, I realized that sometimes joy is a choice and I, I was allowed to choose that even in my situation And I realized that even though I wasn't going to receive the veil of a habit in religious life, 
the Lord could could veil me every day in joy and in charity. So I started choosing this with the Lord's help, with his grace, with his mercy. I started choosing joy and people noticed that. And again, that was something kind of weird. (laughs) They thought, man, I wouldn't, I don't think I would react this way. Um, And I tried to, to be really honest with them and, and, remind them that I didn't react this way initially either. You know, the Lord was so patient with me. So interactions were incredibly deep and meaningful in, in that space. Um, I, when I had my walker, I started walking a mile every day with somebody different. And I just got to converse with that person. What do you mean? You just found somebody. Where'd you find these people? It started spreading. So um, there was, there is a group called the living person and they, they started this. um, It's, it was a challenge a mile a day in May. And some of my friends were participating and they said, Oh, do this. They were all running this mile a day in May. I said, I can't even walk by myself. That's silly. I'm, I wouldn't do that. But a friend in town encouraged me to do it. He said, I'll walk the first mile with you, no matter how long it takes. So I strapped my back brace on. I had my compression socks. I roll out with my walker and this friend, and it takes me 45 minutes to walk a mile. But I, I shared this. And so the next day I had another person say, I'll walk the mile with you today. And the next day I had another person. And then it turned into more than just May. People around Michigan, around Ohio, we're all signing up for miles with me. Really? And it turned into over a year of walking a mile every day with different people. So that was, that was beautiful. It, I had never experienced community like I experienced when I was in that space. Yeah. So you got all of that happens. Where are you at now? Mm -hmm. How are things and all of that. Yeah. So 11 years post-accident, um, I'm still still experiencing its effects. I, I go for treatments regularly. Uh, my organs are still struggling. I have a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of different symptoms. But throughout these years, the Lord has drawn me into such a depth of intimacy with him on the cross. And, and that is such a gift. I always tell him, if this is, if this is my sanctification, I don't want anything else. This is enough. And even the work I get to do at the parish, being a parish secretary, administrative assistant, it, it so closely relates to what I was hoping to do as a sister, um, being present to priests and praying for them and opening the door for people to Christ, showing them the way to Jesus. And I get to do that every day here. So he's just helped me recognize so many surprise joys along the way. He's helped me recognize the beauty and suffering and the intimacy and the love that's there. And he's helped me realize that I have everything I've ever hoped for. Nothing I wanted, but everything I hoped for. Well, it's very, it's amazing because 
like I said, when I first met you, I mean, I had no idea any of this stuff. Yeah. And we start talking and even it took a couple conversations before more and more of this came out. But right in the beginning, right off the bat, I was already, I don't know what the right word is, inspired, compelled by what you're talking about to, yeah, I take my faith seriously, but mm-hmm. to take it more seriously and down to silly things. You talked about, you know, you walk to church, right? You live mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. a mile or so away, something like that. You bike or walk, you know, it depends. Yeah. And you had mentioned something along the lines of, you know, you, you, you're going slow and you look at it as it's my opportunity to look at things that I don't mm-hmm. normally get to see. You mm-hmm. know, I might not just miss this stuff, these flowers or these leaves turning yeah. colors or something like that. So you said that. And that next day I'm driving home from work and I'm stuck in traffic and I'm just getting annoyed because I just mm-hmm. want to get home and everybody is just taking forever to get through a light. And then I looked and there was something, I don't even remember what I saw, but I thought, oh, this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can just slow down a little bit. Maybe I don't have to, you know, and what is that? I don't know, but it's just what you, what you're living and what you're saying is really authentic. Mm-hmm. And it really comes through before I knew the whole story. I could already see that this is really true mm-hmm. and it really is impacting. It's very powerful. Mm. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to tell your story Yeah, praise right the here. Lord. Yeah, thanks so much. So if you've got any comments, questions, anything like that, anybody out there listening, you can send those. Martha, in the little outro that we're going to play in just a second here, is going to tell you where you can send those to. I don't remember the email right off the top of my head right now. But if you send those, I'm happy to respond. I'll get them to Martha if you do have any questions for her. So for Intentionally Catholic, I'm Dan Hansen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Catholic. If you like what you heard, please consider sharing our show with a friend. If you have comments, questions, or topics you'd like to hear discussed, please email those to comments at icatholic.show. And be sure to tune in next time for another episode.